Today, November 11th, is Veterans Day here in the United States. It's called Remembrance Day, or Armistice Day, in England, in Canada, other allied nations uh, around the globe. So many countries are celebrating today. We split our celebrating up. This time of year, we have Veterans Day, and what we do is recognize all veterans of all branches of all time. And then in the spring, as you know, in May, we have what's called Memorial Day. And that's when we recognize those who have fallen in the line of service. And uh, that's a very solemn time as well. But for today, I want you to keep your mind on Veterans Day. Now, there's a, it's a milestone day today, and I'm sure some of you know this. There, it's a milestone day, and you've lived to see it in human history. For exactly 100 years ago today, Today, to the very day, November the 11th, 1918, the armistice, which would bring to an end the war to end all wars, World War I, how did that work out, H.G. Wells, was signed at 5 a.m., bringing about the complete defeat of the German war machine. It wasn't a surrender. It was the defeat of the German army. And so the armistice the cessation of all hostilities would go into effect on the 11th day of the 11th month at the 11th hour, 11 a.m. Paris time. So today we pause to recognize the military veterans of our nation. And I'm going to ask if you have worn the uniform of the United States military in wartime or in peacetime, and you're able to stand this morning, I ask you to please rise and remain standing. Whether you wore the uniform of the United States Army, the U.S. Navy, the United States Marine Corps, the United States Air Force, the U.S. Coast Guard, the Merchant Marine, or the National Guard, I'm going to ask that you stand and remain standing. The reason I want you to remain standing, hold your applause, please. Help Bobby someone. Thank you so much. Um, the reason I want you to remain standing is I want people who aren't standing to just look around. And, and even in this number, get the scope. Figure it out how many people have worn the uniform for you, for me, for all of us, for freedom, for the democracy that we love, and for the land that we cherish. We don't take it lightly. You may say, oh, well, it was nothing. No, no, it was a tremendous sacrifice, and we as a people are all grateful to you. Accept, please accept our thank you. Before you all sit down, amongst this group, is there a Marine? Anyone who was in the U.S. Marine Corps? One? All right. So we have a Marine here. 
And I'm going to say a word or two about the Marine Corps. And now you can be seated. It's more comfortable. And thank you. So Bobby Ingerson, uh, you served in two branches, didn't you, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. The Marine Corps and? Army. And the Army. Yeah. Well, we should have thanked you twice. I'm always inspired by the Marine Corps insignia. And I'll say a little bit more about the Marine Corps in a minute here. And I'm always inspired when I see any of our service people, and sometimes we say especially the U.S. Marines, in dress uniform. There's something about it, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Do you know our United States Marine Corps motto is Semper Fidelis. Did you know that yesterday, November the 10th, was the 243rd birthday for the United States Marine Corps? Founded on November the 10th, 1775. Happy birthday, Marine Corps. Yeah, the United States Marine Corps has an interesting motto, Semper Fidelis, or Semper Fi for short. This Latin phrase literally means always faithful. And that's the title of my message this morning. The motto is meant to exemplify the characteristics of sacrifice and of service. It means this, that the Marines will place their duty to their unit, to their corps, and to their country ahead of all or any of their own personal needs. Semper Fi also, not coincidentally, but for th this is food for thought, is a wonderful illustration of the character of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a picture of the way that he exemplifies these same character traits for us as believers. What an example he has shown to us. If you have your Bible with you today, uh, if you're not necessarily just depending on the Bible app, or if it happens to come back uh, into the atmosphere, um, or if you're following in on any other device, we're going to move over to Revelation chapter 19. And I say move over because last week, I pre or a couple weeks ago, I preached from the first of the Bible. So if you weren't familiar with the Bible, all you had to do was open at the front cover and go a few pages into Genesis. And then today, all you have to do is open the back cover and go a few pages, and you'll be at Genesis chapter 19. And I'm going to read from there in just a moment. I want to give you that backdrop of the United States Marine Corps and of military service and of service and sacrifice and duty and honor and all the rest of it to set the stage for what I'm going to say as to who you are serving, who, who has sacrificed for you, and what that means in relationship to God uh, through your relationship with Christ. So if you have your Bible, we're going to open. Uh, we're going to be reading from the NIV. It will be on the screen, and I'll try to keep up to where it is, or they'll try to keep up to me, or what have you. We're going to start at verse 11. We're going to read six verses. And so we're going to begin with verse 11. If you'd like to read with me, fine. 
I will just say right off the bat, this is a description of the Lord Jesus Christ upon his return. So I'm leaving out a lot of the, what we call eschatology or the study of the last times. But I want to bring you to this thought so that it's a description of who he is. And it says, I saw heaven standing open. This is John writing. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called, what was his name? Faithful and capitals, you see, so that, those are proper names. And then, um, with justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a, <clears throat> dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is... His name is... The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. You wondered where Handel got those titles, huh? On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to visit with Jesus this morning. Who will join me? Let's pray. Precious God, we thank you for the opportunity once again to sit together in congregation and to open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits to you, the Word of God, to hear what you say, to accept your challenge, to be open, to be pliable, to be usable in your hands, and to follow the example of Jesus in these areas of sacrifice and service. Bless each one today. Strengthen each one today. And motivate each one today. For we pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to state four things that I want, to see, I want you to see uh, that Jesus exemplifies as we look at these verses. And if you keep your vi Bibles open there, you can make easy reference. And I'm not going to reference a hundred other verses like I normally do, uh, but because I want us to zero in on these six verses. First off in verse 11, Jesus exemplifies Semper Fidelis. And we said Semper Fidelis meant what? Always faithful. Jesus is faithful. Matter of fact, the Greek word for faithful that's used here means to be completely trusted or relied upon to complete required duties. Just think of that now in the context of Jesus, your Savior. Completely trusted or relied upon to complete required duties. Hasn't Jesus been both? Hasn't Jesus done both? The Father trusted Jesus to come into this world and to live a sinless life. And then he relied on Jesus to die on the cross as the atonement for our sin. 
Hasn't he been trusted? Hasn't he been relied on? Hasn't he completed the duty for which he was sent? We can place our trust in Jesus. I still struggle with people who have a hard time getting over that. They're all right up to a certain speed bump, and then they can't seem to get up over the speed bump. And the speed bump says on it, trust. They can't seem to get to that point. They can understand it all mentally. It all makes sense intellectually, but they can't get it down into their heart and into their life and into their their very being. Jesus is trustworthy. Jesus is faithful. Jesus has done what the Father sent him to do. And because he's the one who died the death which we rightfully deserve, he proved his power through an empty tomb. Not only did he do what he was sent to do, he said, I'll prove that this is the mission and I am who I said I am. (laughs) The selflessness of Jesus reveals that he is always faithful. I'm going to repeat that. The selflessness of Jesus reveals that he is always faithful. Now, not only Jesus is faithful, we just read it, Jesus is true. Some of you would remember, a number of years ago, uh, Coca-Cola had a slogan. They used it for a long time, too. And they said that Coke was, wow, some of you do remember. Coke was what? Say it out loud so the youngsters can hear. Coke was the? That's right, boy. That's, uh, that's why some of you are still drinking Coke, right? Because all that other stuff ain't the real thing, but you've got to have the real thing. Now, you see, when this word true is used, and you say, why did I use that? Well, just hang with me. When the word true is used to describe Jesus, here's what basically it's saying, if you look at the original language, that Jesus is the real thing. The word true means to find genuine or to, or, or, to, uh, or to look at someone or something and say that's genuine. And you have a piece of art or you have a piece of jewelry or you have some precious stone or you have something that uh, a coin of antiquity. And you say it's all been studied and it's all been looked at and it's all been observed. And you know what? This is genuine. Genuine. In other words, this is, this is not a copy. This is the real thing. And when we describe Jesus, we're using the word true to say we're seeing it as real. We're seeing it as the only reality there is. Let me also remind you that truth divides everything in the world. I often have said over the years in counseling with people and I'd hear sides of stories and Oh, that's part of counseling that you don't want to have to go through. But you listen and you listen and you listen and you listen some more. And not too many years into my counseling career, I came up with this. Because you've all heard the saying that there are two sides. Mm. Well, I came up with this a long time ago, that truly there are three sides to every story. Not two, three. 
Now you're, you're really interested, aren't you? Those three sides are yours, mine, and the truth. And with all due respect to whomever you are and whatever station in life you hold, let me just tell you, nobody tells all the truth all the time exactly as it is. Oh, I'm pretty honest. I'm pretty. I didn't say you weren't pretty honest. I said nobody tells all the truth all the time in every situation. Truth divides everything. Pretty easy, pretty easy for me to show you examples of this. On the one hand, you have the world and its value system. On the other hand, you have Jesus, the Son of God, and that value system. Uh, far different or no? Yeah. What's the, what's, the, what's the difference? Truth. On the one hand, you have fiction. And on the other hand, you have fact. What's the difference? Truth. If you help me a little more, we'll get to lunch today. On the one hand, you have fiction, and on the other hand, you have fact. What's the difference? Truth. On the one hand, you have counterfeit, and on the other hand, you have genuine. If you have this hand full of counterfeit $100 bills counting up to $10,000, and you have one genuine $100 bill in this hand, which hand has the most money? What's the difference? Truth. You have the imaginary on the one hand, and you have the real on the other hand. You TV watchers, what's the difference? What's the difference? Some of you are so jaded by it, you don't even know the difference. Truth, Truth is the difference. If you're at the point you can't sift through all that, then you need to uh, hit the channel or pull the plug or read your Bible or go for a swim or something. You have simulation on one hand, but you have substance on the other hand. What's the difference? Truth. You might have an, art, uh, an architect's rendering of this is what it's going to look like. And then you might have the building over here once it's done. And they may not really look a whole lot alike. Or as you looked at the artist's rendering, that wasn't really what you were thinking it was going to look like. But when the building's up and the foundation's down and everything's set and the ribbon's going to be cut, guess what? Truth. There's insecurity... Is there any insecurity in the world today? <laughs> Is there any insecurity amongst Christians today? Yeah. Why? Isn't it true that we as Christians oftentimes <clears throat> live our lives as if as if God wasn't in control? Like with all the junk that's going on in the world today, are you really worried about that? Isn't he still in control? Isn't he still on the throne? Doesn't he still control the, the destiny of nations? Of course he does. 
But in our minds, we get tricked here, and we think insecurity, but on the other hand, is security. So you have insecurity versus security. What's the difference? Truth. And then there's weakness on one hand. Yep. And there's strength on the other hand. What gives you strength? Truth. Truth. If you're dealing in untruth and you're dealing in fiction all the time, you're bound to be weak because you're depending on yourself. You're depending on some kind of outside force that you can't describe and you can't pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and you just, you're, you're just going around in circles. But when you have security and when you have strength and when you know who you are and when you know why you who, you're who you are and you know who's in charge, things are different. What's the difference? Truth is the difference. It's the great divider. And this whole world is divided. Jesus came, said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword. In other words, I came to divide I came to show people the way. I came to show people uh, the difference. And that's why he's called the truth, because truth is the great divider. Now, the second thing that I want to major on for a few minutes today is that Jesus exemplifies not only Semper Fi, but if you slip down to verses 12 and 13, I'm not going to reread them, but just going to let you do a thumbnail sketch. He also exemplifies sacrifice. Our American history and your American history and the American history from basically the 1620s, is filled, is filled with all kinds of sacrifice of those who have given their lives for the preservation of freedom and, and for the, the things that we stand for and the things that we, that, that, that we actually enjoy. And, and, and I think right often, if I were to question you, you'd probably agree with me, but one of the greatest examples of that is the Civil War in the 1860s. And one of the greatest examples of that period was a battle that we called the Battle of, that pretty well brought her to the end, Gettysburg. One of the costliest of the entire Civil War, one of the costliest of any war, that battle. And just to put a little plug in, if it hadn't been for the 20th Maine Regiment under General Joshua Chamberlain, played a pivotal role in the victory at Gettysburg, there may not have been a victory at Gettysburg. And everybody knows the Battle of Little Round Top. There you go. And it was one of the greatest military strategic battles. <laughs> In, in, in the history of military anywhere. And if you haven't read it, you need to read uh, Joshua Chamberlain. Joshua Chamberlain came back to become a, a college president here in Maine, and he was a four-time governor, and he's still the number one hero in this state. Ha having said that, visitors who go to Gettysburg often say that even more impressive than the battlefields or even the battlefield itself, where all those men uh, were, were, were taken. Even more impressive than that is the cemetery where the fallen Union soldiers <clears throat> were buried. President Abraham Lincoln stood in that spot where that cemetery was dedicated. 
And that speech that was given there signifies, and if you listen carefully to it, you'll just hear the, you might not even hear the word, but you'll just hear and see sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And the sacrifice that was given to win that battle. Let's listen. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here, dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Pretty solemn words. And of course they should be repeated, and of course... We should remember them from time to time. I want to remind you that that dedication was given so we wouldn't forget the sacrifice of those there on the field surrounding Gettysburg, those whose lives were taken. We must never forget the sacrifice of any of our fighting forces. Those at Valley Forge, the Aragon campaign of World War I, Omaha Beach, Normandy, Iwo Jima, the Mekong, Hamburger Hill, Desert Storm, Afghanistan, and Iraq, and Syria. Jesus understands and exemplifies sacrifice. And we see this vividly in the fact 
that Je and in order to have sacrifice, here's what you have to have. He humbled himself. You see, he gave up a great deal to come to earth and live out his life. He gave up being infinite, so to speak, to become finite. He gave up being praised by the angels to be scorned by humanity. He gave up being glorified in heaven to walk in the dirt and grime of earth. He gave up everything he was not so you could become everything that he is. Humility. He was also exalted for that humility, born for the simple reason he would die for the sins of humanity. God gave him special honor because of that great humility. And God gave him a name which is above all names. And it means that Jesus has been exalted to the highest place and the highest position in all of creation. Why? Because of his sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus reveals that he is always faithful. Semper Fi. And not to be missed, Jesus will return, my friend, with all authority. We're looking forward to that happening. Amen. Yeah? He will wear many crowns. And he wears them as a sign of his supreme authority. And he will reveal the power that's given to him because of his personal sacrifice. You see, the death of Jesus on the cross gives him the right to rule over all the nations of the earth. So the authority of Jesus also reveals that he is always faithful. Third thing that I want you to notice quickly is that Jesus exemplifies service. And we just simply go down to verse 14 and 15, let your eye scan. Jesus serves heaven. He, Jesus is vividly revealed as the leader of the heavens. And he's the leader of he the heavens' armies. And he rides the white horse as a symbol of the victory, listen, that he has already won over sin, death, and the grave. He's already won that victory. And it's also a symbol of the proclamation of the victory he promises to win over all evil when he returns. When Jesus comes back, he's going to lead the hosts of heaven into battle against the forces of evil uh, that Satan has gathered. We read that in the scripture earlier. It could easily be said that Jesus is the commander-in-chief of heaven, sent by God the Father, so commissioned. The service of Jesus reveals that he is always faithful. Semper Fi. Jesus serves the plan of his heavenly Father. And in that plan and in that truth, we can witness three very insightful things. Let me just list them for you quickly. Number one, the weapon. <laughs> it's probably on your mind since we read that verse. The weapon of Jesus. When Jesus returns, his we weapon will not actually be a sword or any other form of brute force. He comes with the power of God's word. In verse 13, Jesus is called the word of God. Throughout the New Testament, you hear that terminology, the Word of God. It is important to remember the, that Jesus revealed his power many times. How? Through just speaking. Just speaking. I mean, there were several times when Jesus revealed his power to heal somebody. How? Just by speaking. Jesus was able to silence and stop demons. How? Just with a word. Jesus was able to show his power over nature and its awful forces. How? By commanding the winds and the waves to obey him. Here's the simple truth. 
When Jesus speaks, his power is revealed for all to see. That's his weapon. Why should his return be any different? When he returns, the only weapon that he'll need is the word of God. All Jesus will need to do is speak and the enemies will be defeated and destroyed. And I say with you this morning, then even so come Lord Jesus. And then the third thing we want to, or second thing we want to witness here is the rule of Jesus. Jesus is described here as ruling with an iron scepter, which at first glance seems a bit out of character for Jesus. Because in our minds, we see an iron scepter as a symbol of cruelty and dictatorship, but the, that's not the understanding of the ancient day. The iron scepter was not a symbol of royalty, like a scepter that we might see a king or a queen holding on to today. The iron scepter was actually a weapon, a massive iron club that was used by a king to crush the enemy. And the iron scepter is a symbol of power. And the crowns that Jesus wears are a sign of his authority, and the scepter is a sign of his absolute power. I want to tell you something, folks. We're here on the winning side. And then the third thing we see, we see the fury of of a righteous God. The fury of God. It says Jesus will tread the winepress of God's fury. Now there's imagery here, and the imagery is that the, the winepress is pictured so that we can have a, a mental image here, and that would be a very common tool used in the ancient world. So when, so when that's written by John, and that's exactly what he's seeing and being told by the Holy Spirit, that really means something then, and it should mean something to us now. Because the wine press was used following the harvest of grapes, and the press was used to extract the juice from the grapes. Are you still with me? Okay. And the grapes are placed in the press, and then the grapes are crushed to force the juice out of them. And the image of the wine press is one that reveals the power of Jesus because he is going to crush the enemies of God and force them from this world. So it remains. The very power of Jesus reveals that he is always faithful. Semper Fi. The last thing that I want to show you is that Jesus exemplifies sovereignty, and that takes us down to that last verse we read together, verse 16. Because Jesus, he had a name, and his name is King of Kings. When Jesus returns, matter of fact, he's given two titles. The first is he's going to be given the place of King, capital K, of kings, small k, that means he will have the rule over all the earth. Don't you wish he had it right now? Amen. Yeah. He, it's within its control. He's not going to let it spin out of control and disintegrate. So those of you that are worried about, can we save it? He's got it under control. But someday soon, he's going to come and even the score. That means he will have rule over all the earth. That's a, that's a title, King of Kings, that describes his majesty over all places. 
It is a title of position. Then you add to that, Jesus will also be called Lord of Lords. Large L, small L. Jesus is given that title, Lord of Lords. That's a different title because it describes his mastery over all people. It's a title there of personal surrender. At this point, we can most assuredly conclude that the sovereignty of Jesus proves that he is always faithful. Proves Semper Fi. Friend, just knowing this, what can you take away from a short encounter like this this morning with the Lord Jesus? What can be your personal takeaway? Well, I want you to remember this. Jesus is worthy of your trust. Are you over the speed bump? Or are you still hung up? Are you still teetering one way and then the other, but just can't get over that speed bump? That's all about trust. He's worthy of your trust. Let me also remind you, remind you that Jesus has never broken a promise and reassure you that he never will. Sometimes we sit around thinking, well, yeah, he's kept a lot of promises, but I, I'm nervous about this one. He's never broken a promise, and he never will. Can I also assure you, and I want to remind you, that Jesus is the most reliable friend you will ever have. Friends are great, amen? And at the end of life, if you end up with one or two, you've done well. You've really done well. And if you end up with none, you have Jesus. And he's the most reliable friend you will ever have. Can I also remind you that Jesus is always there for you when you need him? And can I remind you that he's the one who determines when you need him? Can I also remind you that he's the one, because he is truth, that knows the difference between wants and needs? Can I also tell you that he's the one that determines timing, because time is nothing to him? But can I tell you that he's always there for you just when you need him? And in most cases, I'm going to say 99.9% of the time, you're not even going to realize it till after the fact. It's not something you sit around saying, well, yeah, I know I heard the pastor say one time, he'll be there, he'll be there when I need him, he'll be there. No, you'll look back on that and say, you know what? He showed up. <laughs> When did he show up? Well, just when I needed him. Man, if he'd have waited another hour, if he'd have waited another day, if this had gone on another week, whatever the story, but exactly when you need him. And can I just remind you of one other thing? Jesus, our Savior, is always faithful. Semper 
fidelis. Now Jesus proves all of what I've said this morning through his selflessness, right? With me? With me? Did you turn the heat down? Okay, I'm losing some, so I'm wondering. Okay. Can you put it on freeze? Okay. Jesus proves all of what I've said this morning through his selflessness, right? Right. Yes, Bob, that's right. Through his character, right? Thank you. Through his sacrifice, right? And again, I want to say thank you to everyone who stood moments ago and stood proudly because you've worn the uniform of this country. Wow. You say, well, that was nothing. Yes, it was. It was sacrifice. It was sacrifice. And Jesus proved everything I've said this morning through his selflessness, his character, his sacrifice, his authority, right? He's in charge. He's in charge. When's the last time you had to remind yourself, oh, oh yes, God, you're in charge. I've heard people say, yeah, well, I just kind of gave up on it and gave it over to God. Oh, yeah, you couldn't handle it anymore, so you gave it to your assistant. That's great. He's been in charge right from the get-go. And he proves all of what I've been saying this morning through his service. How has he served you? Can you see a cross in your mind's eye right now? Can you see a cross on Golgotha's hill? Can you see a bloodstained cross? Can you say sacrifice and service? Can you say salvation? Can you say eternity? Can you see in your mind's eye today a a, a borrowed tomb with a huge stone rolled away and that tomb is empty, empty, empty? Has he served you well? He proves everything I've said this morning by his service, right? Right. And then by his power. Mm. And lastly, we're yet to see it all, but we shall. He proves all that we've said this morning by his sovereignty. George Frederick Handel had it all figured out way back in who knows when, 1690 or whenever that was written, the Messiah. How many times, King of kings, Lord of lords, King of kings, Lord of lords, King of kings, Lord of lords, King of kings, Lord of lords. Wow, wow. Sovereignty. So the only remaining question that I have this morning, and it's for each one of us in the room, take it personally, accept it personally, and act on it personally if you would. The only remaining question is this. Are you willing to stand in the faithfulness of this wonderful, loving all-powerful King of Kings. Will you stand faithful? Will you stand always faithful? Will you stand with him, Semper Fidelis? I said earlier I'd refer to the Connect card, and I want you to just take one of the Connect cards, if you would, and If you are here today and God's spoken to your heart in any way, whatever it might be, and he's working in you now, 
and, and you know you need to be led to a decision or counseled or helped or encouraged or whatever it might be, I would like you to take the time right now while we have prayer and then we move into worship singing, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and just put down your name and on the back of that card, however we might help you, whatever decision it is you made today or are making or are ready to make for the Lord Jesus, but take the card and take it seriously and fill out the need that's there and then give it to me or drop it off in one of the boxes in the Welcome Center before you leave. The worship team's going to join me, but as they do, let's just bow for a word of prayer and thank God for his great truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you again in Jesus' name and we just thank you for the revelation of truth. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for all that it means and thank you for the strength that it gives us each and every day. Thank you for those that are here today that have heard and have listened and now are going to appropriate what they've heard into their own lives. Help us to apply those truths and make those truths come alive and be reality. Help us, Lord, to see that the difference in all of these systems and values and rights and wrongs and lefts and rights and all the rest of it, it's all divided and it's divided by truth. Truth is the divider of everything we see and know. Lord, help us to re be on the side of truth. Help us to know the one who said, Jesus, who is, uh, uh, the, the, I am the way, he said. I am the way, the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So if there are those here today struggling to find a way to you, God, and haven't found it and are still hung up, Lord, may they see their need of Jesus and put their faith in him and turn to him and make this their great day of salvation. And for those who need encouragement, those who need strength, those who need to overcome fear by the love of God, we pray today that they will be encouraged and fortified in you, Lord, and as we continue to lift you up and to worship you and recognize that we need you in our lives. May your spirit continue to guide us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.